Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. The Holy Spirit so emphasizes different scriptures in our lives and changes them so much so that it's always fresh and always new as we're growing. And that's what I'm praying that he'll do today when we study love is not rude. I wanted to look, you know, pretty specifically at what rude means in the Bible so that we will know. The King James Version puts it this way, love doth not behave unseemly. And I think that casts a different light on the word rude. Unseemly in the Greek, when I looked it up, which of course is the uh, language of the New Testament, which is what we're studying in 1 Corinthians, it means indecently or unbecomingly. So we could say love does not behave indecently or unbecomingly. The Bible version of rude or unseemly behavior is not just Southern Bell etiquette, definition of unbecoming behavior. You know, because sometimes when we see that word unbecoming, those of us from the South hear our mother's voice in our head saying, oh, now that's just not very becoming. You know, and we think of more like something we wore, you know, when you're like eight years old and you put your cowboy boots on and your turtleneck and your frilly white skirt and a hat and you're ready to go to Sunday school. And your mother goes, well, that's just not very becoming. And, um, you know, I don't know about you all, but we've let our children go to Sunday school in outfits like that just because we were so weary. Have you ever done that where you're just like, just go, we're going. Everyone get in the car, we're going. When God says unseemly, he's not talking about just something you're wearing or something like that. He's talking about a very specific behavior. And I wanted to give an example in Romans 127 about how serious God is about love is not rude. Love does not behave unseemly. Romans 127 says, In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for each other. Men committed unseemly, indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. The Bible links rude with unseemly, indecent, or lewd behavior. And so it's not talking about just rude. It's including also unseemly, indecent, or lewd behavior. On the other hand, our American English definition of rude would be tactless, insensitive, indiscreet, thoughtless, impudent, brazen, gruff, flip, irritable, nasty, fresh, sarcastic, surly. You know, I love words. I love all these words, but it also gives you so much ammunition. I remember looking all this up and I thought, oh, this is so much ammunition. Now I don't have to just say, honey, that was so rude. I can say that was unseemly, that was unbecoming, that was gruff, flip, rude, curt. Testy, irrelevant, insolent, nervy, saucy, sassy, short, snotty, abrupt, curt, discourteous, unfinished, or nude. And this is interesting that the definition of rude also is nude. It doesn't mean like physically nude, physically speaking, but it could mean like unfinished, nude as an unfinished. Like if you have a nude, physically speaking, a rude or nude or crude piece of pottery is one that's unfinished. And so God is also telling us that love is not rude, but he's also saying it's not an unfinished, crude, lewd, it all rhymes, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be funny, (laughs) lewd, you know, product. This is all going to pull together, believe me. 
Spiritually speaking, a rude child of God is someone who is spiritually new. The Bible tells us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And always remember to put on love. I think it's interesting that, that the Colossians in different places in the Bible tell us to clothe ourselves and put on love. And the very definition of love in 1 Corinthians says love is not. When it says love is not, love is not rude. And part of the definition of rude is, is nude, unclothed, in the, in the sense of spiritually unclothed, in the sense of being unfinished, being rough, being crude. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, God is continually telling us to put on love as in clothes. And, you know, in studying this, I even thought about, and I thought, no, I just can't do that. It's too cheesy and I can't do it. But I thought, you know, so often I do forget to wake up in the morning and literally do what this tells us to do, to say, God, you know, help me to put on love today. Don't let me go out there without putting on love. Otherwise, spiritually speaking, I'm nude, you know. And we've talked about this in this class, that, that we would never, you know, come to church and, you know, get our kids off to Sunday school and then come in here and realize, I don't have any clothes on. I mean, it's such a habit for us to go put on our clothes and all of these things. But spiritually speaking, we need to be in the same habit. And I even thought about putting, you know, a hanger that had like a little t-shirt where I wrote, you know, love, just to kind of remind me. And I thought, no, I can't do that. I, it's too cheesy. But something like that that would remind us to put on love. When we do not put on love, then we are spiritually nude. Isn't that interesting? You know, to the angels who aren't caught up in, you know, clothes or whatever, you know, we're such a physical world. But in the spiritual world, which is alive and real, the spiritual world created the physical world, if you want to blow your mind. But the angels looking down on us, they aren't just seeing us clothed and, oh, doesn't she look nice and he looks well put together. It's like, well, they're nude again. They don't have, nobody put on love. Oh, they're nude again. Nobody put on humility and nobody put on, you know, compassion. And they see us that way, I believe. And so that is something we need to know to put on. Many Christians are spiritually new, not clothed in love, which makes them appear incomplete, rough, and unfinished, rude to others. God is very concerned with what we put on spiritually, but most of us are more concerned with what we put on physically. Jesus implores us not to worry about what we're to wear physically. And I remember thinking about this and I thought, why does he emphasize so much, you know, don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about what you wear. And I used to think it's because he doesn't want people to be caught up in what they're wearing. And yet then he is so good to give us the clothes we need. And, and I couldn't quite understand. And 
I'm thinking that one of the reasons, in my opinion, is because God wants us to be so much more focused on what we are wearing spiritually than what we're wearing physically. Because spiritually what we're wearing makes all the difference in the world. And physically what we're wearing doesn't matter. In Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will wear. Is life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And then we go on to Matthew 6.28, Matthew 6.31, Luke 12.22, all saying the thing, same thing. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. But you go back to our scriptures that we were looking at on the first page in Colossians 3, and it says, but put on love, put on love, put on love. And so I think what God was saying is, I'm more concerned with what you're wearing spiritually, and you all are going to be more apt to be concerned with what you're wearing physically. You know, and we, we, it, would, it would be so neat. I mean, we do that with our kids. You know, we're like, you can't wear that, or you can't wear that, or please put this on, or what if we were like, you know, more concerned with our children putting on, spiritually putting on love, and emphasizing that with them, or letting it begin with ourselves is probably the most important thing for us to do. But I always think, you know, the times that <laughs> Lacey said, he goes, do they have to know every time we get in a fight? <laughs> because every time we get in a fight, our whole Sunday school class knows, you know. <clears throat> we haven't gotten in a fight in a really long time, but... Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But I always think about, you know, if, if he was conscious about putting on love in the morning and I was conscious about it, it would change our whole day, our whole week. It would change the way things went at the office. It would change the way Christians interacted with each other. It would change everything. And so I think it's, that's why Jesus so implores us not to worry about what we're going to wear because it's so much more important for us to put on love. Jesus implores us to care about what we put on spiritually. I'd like to pop through these scriptures if someone would um, help me read them, starting in Ephesians 4.24. And to put on the new <coughs> created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Would you just uh, read all of them? That'd be great. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Mm. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all of these, put on love. You know, I, just, I see such a picture of that. And that is what I think God's telling us because when we don't put that on, it's so easy to be rude. It's so easy and love is not rude. And it's so easy to be rude. It's so easy to get caught up in our own world. It's so easy to get caught up in our own schedule. I was at Target a couple of weeks ago, and it's so easy to get caught up in our own rights. You know, like, you don't have a right to treat me that way. 
I was in Target a couple of weeks ago, and um, I went and um, got a big, I think it was a Coke, and I asked the lady behind the counter, and I'd waited forever, you know, in this line because um, she was just going really, really slow. And it almost appeared like she was purposely going slow because the line was real long. And so, you know how you just have these weird thoughts flash through your mind like, she's purposely going slow, you know? <laughs> the line is so long, and she's slowing down, but that's okay. And so you have this kind of smile on your face, and you're thinking, I've got 20 minutes to get home and I've got 10 things I need to buy and so I finally got up there and I realized I, I make a lot of iced tea and drink a lot of iced tea and I saw that they had those really great wonderful long straws and I said oh do you mind if I take a couple of extra straws and she looked at me and she said well it's not like I can stop you or anything but and she just was so rude and I remember thinking, you know, there's so many re responses that you could have for something like that. Like, you know, funny responses, rude responses, no responses. And it was like, it, this doesn't always happen. Well, it always happens. The Holy Spirit is always in us saying, you know, love back. You know, come on, do something in love. And he's always trying to. But, you know, part of the time we go, okay, okay. And, you know, if we've put on love that morning, then we're able to love back. Another part of the time we're like, be quiet. I can handle this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> do you ever do that? Like where you are in a fight with like, your spouse and the Holy Spirit's like, don't say anything else. You don't need to have the last word. Just walk in love. And you're like, okay, yeah. I'm going to, you know, and you just go ahead with whatever you're going to do. And so, you know, it's kind of like our, our dog. Our dog gets... Our dog gets out of the yard and he knows he's going to be, you know, in trouble or spanked, but just running around is just worth it, you know? <laughs> it's like sometimes we know, you know, whatever, we're going to get in trouble, we're going to, you know, repent later, but just, just running around was worth it, you know? But I, I, I actually that day my heart just filled up with love for her and I had spent some time with the Lord in the morning and and I just remember just having a compassion towards her. And I said, oh, well, I'll just, I'll leave him here. I don't need to have any. And um, she goes, no, 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 that, that's fine. And I said, no, no, I understand. Because you couldn't have everybody, you know, taking straws. And, but I thought about, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't rude, as we say in South Texas. Jesus implores us to care about what we put on spiritually. And that's what all of these scriptures in Ephesians and Colossians are saying. And I think it's so neat when we can line these up and look about how Christ says, don't worry about what you're going to wear physically, but let me show you what to put on spiritually and how few of us either remember or even knew that we were to actually put things on spiritually before we even set out for the day. God tells us to put on a new self, the full armor of God, as well as compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and above all, love. However, since the beginning, humans have been more concerned with putting on physical covering than spiritual. What happened after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden? Were they full of remorse and immediately sorrowful for what they have done? Did they seek spiritual covering? No, they sought physical covering. Adam answers to God, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Isn't that interesting? That that's our natural inclination is, oh my gosh, you know, 
he he had sinned and instead of going back to God and seeking spiritual covering he sought physical covering so let's ask ourselves these questions while getting ready to go to church or work or a party are we more concerned with spiritual covering or physical covering most of us according to the angels go most places nude before going anywhere are we sure that we have put on our new self the armor of God and love or are we more concerned with matching our ties to our jackets picking cat hair off our backs our black coats furiously wiping baby food off of our blouses which is something I do a lot Hassling with bad hair days or asking the all-important and much-debated question, is this navy blue or black? Have you ever gotten in a fight with somebody over that question? In other words, most of us, most of the time, are physically clothed but spiritually nude, which means we're biblically rude. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny, but sometimes it helps us to remember things, and these definitions just happen to... Rhyme. But love is not rude. It is not lewd, crude, or nude. And if you all try to explain what we learned in here today, <laughs> please, please tell them the full thing. But that is really, when I looked at that, and that is how I remember, love is not rude. It's not lewd, crude, or nude. Rude can be what we say. Would someone read that for me? Rude can be what we say. Can someone, anyone want to add to that? Rude can be what we say. Well, it could be uh, just body language. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Rude can be what we do. And I think this is interesting because now remember the Bible definition of rude is that it does not act unseemly or unbecomingly. So rude can be what we do. Music or movies we see, lewd or unseemly. People we are closely associated with. Facial expressions. A little bit of what um, was just expressed just now is that it doesn't have to be something you say. It can be something you do. Gestures. I'm going to give this example. Although it's one of those funny, not so funny things, but I remember in high school, a good friend of mine, his grandmother had a honk if you, no, I know what it was. She was at a stoplight and a, it, behind a red stoplight and the car in front of her had a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. Well, she loved Jesus behind the car at the red light. <laughs> Very much. So she honked and honked and waved. And that car gave her a very rude gesture. <laughs> so rude can be what we do. And you know what I was saying, you know, even at the Target, if we haven't put on love, which is a very, you know, God's definition of love, which is basically flipping to the first page and looking at 1 Corinthians, you know, love is kind and patient and all of these things that we've been studying, then it's so easy for us to feel like we have a right to be rude, 
Do you know that God never gives us a right to be rude? We have a right to be angry. We have a right to um, stand up for ourselves. We have a right, in my opinion, from what I've read of the scriptures, to go to war. We have a right to say no more and draw a line in the sand. We have a right to go against evil, but God never gives us a right to be rude. Isn't that amazing? Because we get to a place where we almost commend it. Oh, you've taken enough for him. I'm glad you just laid it out there. And, you know, and we, we kind of say that was a good thing that you just finally just, you know, were rude back. And yet God says, no, you never have a right. Love is not rude. Love can be how we live. Self-centered or God-other-centered. You can live a rude life, a totally self-centered, crude, nude, lewd life. God does not want us to live a life of rudeness, but to live a life of love. I thought this was a really interesting thing to think about, and this was something the Holy Spirit started asking me and studying this, because whenever I study something, it's like, it's so awesome because it's what I needed, but I also get so nailed at whatever I'm studying. And one of the things when I was praying is, <laughs> there was laughter in that, but I do, because then I can't get away with things that I would love to get away with and just feign ignorance. Like, well, I, you know, didn't know that. <laughs> and I can't do it anymore. And that's interesting because, you know, now that you're learning this, it, you're in the same boat. When I used to teach teenagers weekly, I remember one boy where I would start talking about certain subjects and he'd go, and I finally said, so-and-so, why are you doing that? And he goes, well, if I don't know it, I'm not held accountable for it. And I thought, you know, we're all kind of like that a little bit. Like once you hear it, you know, God says, now you're accountable for what I've showed you. And yet there's such a release and a freedom in knowing his word. It's so worth it. It brings such joy to our lives. It metamorphosizes our lives. It changes us from the inside out. So here was the question that I started hearing in my heart. Who are the easiest people to be rude to? And the answer that I gave back to God after some prayer were family and strangers. Why? I want to ask you if you think that's true. Who are the easiest people to be rude to? Your close family, wife, husband, maybe sister, mother, father, whoever is in your family that you're close to, and then complete strangers. Why? I think that if you are with your family, you have an undercurrent, you feel like they'll always love you, and so you have a protection, you can still be rude. And with strangers, you don't really care if they love you or not, so you can be rude to them. Right. That's true. Family, you know, you just think, oh, well, you know, they know I'm in a bad mood, or I've, I've had such a long day, I, I can just, you know. And another form of rudeness that I think is so easily wielded by some of us more, more than others is just passive-aggressive behavior. You know, that's another form of rudeness. And I, I won't give any examples on that um, whatsoever. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then the other thing is what was described so beautifully a minute ago is that with family, we know, oh, they're always going to forgive us or we'll say we're sorry later or whatever. I can just be rude. But then strangers, it's like, oh, well, we'll never see him again. 
And you know, people talk about how rude some people are in New York, and it's because they just figure in a city that big, you'll never see that person ever again, mm -hmm. you know? And we've lost that sort of like running into people all the time kind of mentality. But God says that we never have a right to be rude. And he doesn't say, oh, well, your wife, isn't, she's going to understand if you answer her curtly that you've had a long day or whatever. It doesn't say that in the Bible. And if it does, I'd like for someone to show me. But it doesn't. Proverbs 14:21. The question I'd like to ask then is, does anyone ever deserve our rudeness? Would someone read Proverbs 14:21? This is an awesome Proverbs. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Okay. He who despises his neighbor sins. You know, even if even if they've done something that is wrong to us, then we still don't have the right to despise them. And we certainly don't have the right to be nude, I mean, rude or nude or lewd or crude to them. And I think this is neat, too, to look at this and say, blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Um, and I'd like to just propose to you that that needy can be in a physical sense, but it can also be in an emotional sense. You know, there are people that are emotionally needy, and it's so easy to be rude to them. It's so easy to have enough of their um, codependent behavior or enough of their antics or enough and be rude. But God says, blessed is he who is kind. Who is kind? He doesn't say blessed is he who has analyzed that person and decided that they are an emotional cripple and undeserving of, of friendship. He says, blessed is he who is kind. That's awesome. Luke 6.35 says, love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I look at the definition of rude and I think about how the times that we are rude a lot of times even to our own family is when we feel like Ugh, they're ungrateful or to a stranger because they're rude. And yet God says, you will be sons of the Most High when you're kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I mean, that's, that's awesome. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Okay, can we get more specific than that? It's almost like we've never seen that scripture before. I read scriptures and I think, I've never seen that. He just stuck that in there just about a week ago because that wasn't in there before. Because I, I thought that you were at least supposed to pay back. Yeah, I mean, a little payback, you know, right? But... I don't see that simple thing of, but always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. I mean, how easy could our children memorize part of that scripture? Always be kind to each other and everyone else. It's so simple. And, and that's the way God is. He's so out there. He's so, uh, his words are so simple to us. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. You know, in, in the simple things of life, Okay, so you weren't invited to so-and-so's slumber party, and it hurts because you're 12 years old. But as the mother of that 12-year-old, I say, well, it's okay, honey, you're going to have one, and we're not going to invite her. Or do I say, you know what? This is a good chance for us to love her back. 
And, and, and maybe I've not done that all along. And our child, my child looks at me and goes, what, are, what, are, what, mom? And I say, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning that the Bible says not to pay back wrong for wrong. You know, there's no too late time for us to follow the Lord. And I've noticed in my own life certain things that I'm learning to do. I almost get afraid to do them because I'm afraid, you know, my family's going to go, come again? What? You know, what are you doing? And, and, and it's almost embarrassing to, to change, but it's a part of humility to say, God, you know, I'm wrong the way I've been living my life, and I, I want you to change me, and I want it to, to flow over into my children's lives and their children's lives. I want to leave a godly heritage. I don't want to leave just my heritage. I want to leave a godly heritage that God is honored by. 2 Corinthians 2.24 says, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. When we are rude to one another, who are we really being rude to? And we're going to end with these two scriptures. But I wanted us to look at this very specifically. Because if we apply this, I think it's going to make a difference in our lives. When we are rude to one another, who are we really being rude to? Would someone read both of those scriptures for us real quickly out loud? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of, one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Whatever you did for one of the least, you did for me. Whatever you did not do for one of the least, you did for me. We're going to end there and complete our study with, um, with a uh, prayer next week because I don't have time to uh, read it and get you all to church. But um, I'm going to just close this in a quick prayer. Dear Lord, please forgive me for being rude in my speech, mannerisms, or lifestyle. As your child, I represent you, and I know that some of my actions and words have caused you pain. Please forgive me. Especially forgive me for being rude to my own family members. Please give me your grace to clothe myself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience every morning and not just for others, but for those in my own family. I understand now where rudeness is, love cannot be. No one deserves rudeness no matter what they have done because you have not given me the treatment that I have negatively deserved. Then I have no right to be rude to another person. Please help me to love my enemies, pray for those who persecute me, and bless those who curse me. Let me live by these verses today. Matthew 5:44 through 48 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Luke 6:26 through 38. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. 
Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to them from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful. Just as your Father is merciful, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then finally, 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Heavenly Father, whatever you ask me to do is not too hard with your help. I commit to follow you in love like you today. Help me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.